Welcome back, and thank you for joining me for another inspiring episode on the Lead with Levity podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Heather Walker, and today we have a very special guest joining us on the show. They are all special guests. (laughs) He's an author, a speaker, and a leading voice in the world of minimalism, helping people find clarity and purpose through the art of simplicity. His books include the best-selling Less is More. He's touched the lives of countless individuals seeking to declutter their minds and their spaces. So today we have the privilege of diving deep into the minimalist mindset with none other than Joshua Becker himself. He's here to share his wisdom, his journey, and his insights on how minimalism can transform not only your physical space, but also your leadership style and your life. Whether you're a CEO leading a company or a leader in any aspect of your life, this episode is for you. So I want you to get ready to get inspired, maybe challenged a little bit, and even empowered to embrace the power of less is more. (laughs) So we're going to embark on this minimalist journey together. And without further ado, I want to go ahead and just get this episode started so that we can start transforming our lives. It's time for a sneak peek. Sneak peek, sneak peek. We need to get very clear on what our purpose is in life, what I want to accomplish with the one life that I have to live, what my greatest values are. And I think we fall into a trap when we think that I know what they are and so I will never deviate from them or I'll never get distracted from them. When in reality, we may know what our most important values are and purposes and mission in life. We have a personal mission statement, but it's something that we have to return to almost every single day. And now on with the show. When you're feeling the pressure, take a moment to step back, pick up your marbles and choose to lead with levity. Join us on the Lead with Levity podcast for fireside chats that will fill your bucket and help you get back to being the leader you were meant to be. Now here's your host, Dr. Heather Walker. Welcome back to the Lead with Levity podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Heather Walker, and I have the pleasure today of speaking to Joshua Becker of Becoming Minimalist. Joshua is an author, speaker, coach, philanthropist, and he's dedicated his career to helping people live a, you know, like a full life, but also to minimize all of the junk, all of the clutter, and be more intentional about the way we live in our walk. He's written five books, including Simplify, Seven Guiding Principles to Help Anyone Declutter Their Home and Life, Clutter Free with Kids, for those of you who have kiddos, Change Your Thinking, Discover New Habits, Free Your Home. I could totally use some of that. Uh, He's also written The More of Less, Finding the Life You Want Under Everything You Own, and The Minimalist Home, and then finally his latest book that recently came out, Things That Matter. So Joshua, welcome to the show. How are you today? Oh, I am wonderful. I'm even better now that I get to talk to you. How are you? I am well. I am actually in the middle of decluttering myself. I'm redoing my office and the rest of my house looks like a hot mess because it's full of books and everything is super piled up. But this one room is nice and clean and clear. And clutter Feels good. Feels good, doesn't it? Like you want it everywhere else in your life as well? That's right. That's right. Oh my goodness. 
I am excited for this conversation today, Joshua, because I don't know about you. I, and I'd love to get your take on this, but when I go out and I meet with teams and leaders, this is something that they need. They need to hear right now. And from a workplace perspective, the challenge is how do I stay present amidst all of the distractions, all of the clutter, the noise, everything that I'm facing? How do I stay present with the people that matter most to me at work and at home? What are you seeing when you go out there and you talk to different audiences? Well, that is a great question. The way I like to describe what I see in a general sense is that most people have a pretty good sense of what their purpose is in life, where they're going to find significance and fulfillment and meaning. We did a, I did a survey for my most recent book, Things That Matter. And one of the questions we asked was, do you know what your purpose is in life? And 70% of people said that they did, which came in higher than, than I thought it was going to, but maybe that's just because I hear more from people who don't know what their purpose is than the people who know what it is. So I think what happens, at least what I'm seeing, is we have a general sense of what's important to us, but we live in a world that loves to hijack our passions and resources mm -hmm. and direct them towards wherever they want them directed, whether it be you should be watching this television show, you should be owning this type of car, you should be going on this vacation, you should be investing in this fund, you should be spending your time on this new game or app that everyone is doing, right? Like all of these advertisements, all of mm -hmm. this marketing messaging is here to really, really hijack our passions and take our resources and direct them wherever they want want. And unless we are very vigilant in returning back to, hey, this is my purpose. These are my goals. This is my mission. Then it's very easily to get distracted very unintentionally. We, we don't even know that we've gone off track. And of course, this applies to our personal lives, the way we live our personal lives, but also in our businesses. You know, what is the purpose of our mission? What is the mission of our business and the purpose for why we exist? And what are all these other things, these other little distractions that have popped up that we've begun chasing? and pursuing and maybe aren't actually moving us closer towards our mission and vision. Yes, yes. And you know, I love that you said we don't always realize that we're part of it because that's the system that we live in. We're living in this capitalistic system that is designed, it runs on our feeling that there's a gap. There's something wrong. I'm missing something. I don't have enough. I'm not doing enough. I need more stuff, right? There's this fear of missing out. Are you seeing that the FOMO? Oh, it, certainly. I mean, I think that's a brilliant example of it. You find social media certainly amplifying it. You know, even when I was a kid, Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous was like a pretty well-known television back then. And they would go into rich people's homes and they would take a tour of it. I'm sure a lot of people know what the show is. And back then, that was like oh, wouldn't life be great if I had that or if I lived in that size of a home and had a pool in my backyard or bowling alley in my basement? And like the show is kind of filtered that way to, to make you wish that's what your life looked like. And certainly other television shows do it all the time and advertisements do it. But now it's like social media does it. And like even our best friends, like the neighbor two houses down from me. It's not some 
rich actor in Hollywood that has this beautiful home that's on display on the television show. It's my neighbor two doors down who somehow is on a vacation in some beach paradise that I could never afford. And it makes me think, what am I missing out on? And what am I doing wrong? And I should be focusing more on this or that. And my life would be better if I had this or that. And very unintentionally, we get brought up into it. I want to get into how we can overcome this. Before we do that, I think it it would be helpful for everyone to understand where you came from and that you're not coming to us today as, oh yes, I've always lived a minimal lifestyle and this is me. I have an excerpt from your site. Is it okay if I read it to the group Please, today? please. Okay. I would like to hear it. Yes. Let's, let's all take a moment <laughs> to learn a little bit more about Joshua Becker. <laughs> So it it starts with my story begins in suburban Vermont while I was cleaning the garage. My wife was cleaning the bathrooms and my five-year-old son was playing alone in the backyard. I struck up a regular conversation with my neighbor who commented, maybe you don't need all that stuff. Oh, those neighbors. The juxtaposition was striking. My possessions piled up in the driveway, my son in the backyard, my day slipping away. I immediately recognized something needed to change. My belongings were not adding value to my life. Instead, they were subtracting from it. That was an aha moment for you. Was it the first aha moment for you? Well, it was the first aha moment in terms of of minimalism and purposefully intentionally owning less stuff and fewer things. Although I always say I wasn't new to the idea that materialism was wrong and don't overspend your earnings and don't spend every dollar you have on stuff you don't need. Like I had heard that growing up, but it was in that moment where my neighbor introduced me to the word minimalism that it really made sense. Previous to that, very typical middle-class lifestyle growing up and even in the first 10 years of of married life, a couple pay increases along the way. And with each of them, just seemed like we bought a bigger house and we acquired more stuff. And until that Saturday morning, 15 years ago, clean out the garage and my son swinging alone on the swing set in the backyard. And like, why am I wasting hours taking cleaning up stuff I don't need at the mm. expense of those things in life that bring me real joy and meaning and, and purpose. And I'll, I'll, I'll mention two other things just to, to frame the conversation. Number one, minimalism for me has never been about checking out of life. Minimalism for me has never been about, I want to live a lazy life where I don't do any work. Some people might pursue minimalism because they don't wanna have to do any work and mm. it's an easier lifestyle to support and there's truth to that. But for me, that was, that was never the motivation. It was, I can see how all the possessions that I own are keeping me from the things in life that bring me real fulfillment and meaning. And so I wanna own just the amount of things I need to make the biggest difference that I can in the world with the one life that I have to live. And so for me, minimalism has always been about finding more passion in life around my purpose by removing distractions. And then the second point is just, you know, minimalism always looks different from one person to another. I've never been, I'm just going to own a hundred things. I'm going to move into a 100 square foot tiny home. Like we've always enjoyed having neighbors over and people over for dinner and having small groups that meet in our home. And we've had two children growing up in our home. And so yeah. what do I need to own in order to accomplish the things that I want to accomplish and get rid of everything that's distracting me from it? Ah, I love that. And how does that apply to work? work life? Well, so for me, 
On a personal level, and for anybody listening on a personal level, minimalism, well, number one, minimalism is much broader than just possessions, although possessions is a great place to start because most of us own more than we need, and no one, I think, intentionally sets out to own a whole lot of things that they don't need. It just Mm -hmm. unintentionally happens like we were talking about before. And so the process of purposefully minimizing is a process of bringing back intentionality in my life, in where I spend my money and where I spend my time, which quickly begins to bring about intentionality in other areas of of our life, habits and relationships and schedules. And I think work, it begins to bring a a new filter to, to the work that I'm doing if I don't need to buy a whole lot of stuff to be happy. Yeah. Then I get to rethink, okay, what's the goal of work if it's not just to make a lot of money to buy a lot of stuff? And so we start to think through work a little bit differently. I think when we begin owning less, it opens up new opportunities in work in terms of, okay, maybe I could work a job that's more fulfilling, but it doesn't pay as much money. That's okay if I don't need to buy a whole bunch of stuff to be happy. So there's personal and then from a from a business mindset from for any leader in in any organization i think it goes back to our our original conversation of okay what is the purpose of this business what is the mission what is our vision and what are our goals what what is the good that this business is trying to bring into the world and then what's all the fluff what's all the side projects or pursuits or just what's all the things that that we've started chasing or begun investing time into that that isn't moving us closer towards those goals but is actually becoming a distraction from them and certainly that could be physical possessions but more than i think we're thinking about you know where are we investing our time and where are we investing our money and are there more intentional places we could be using those things you know that's a really good point so one thing that i've noticed is over time companies may start to spend on oh we need this IT tool and this system. And instead of cleaning and organizing our files, we're just going to continue to purchase more storage. And before you know it, so much of the budget is dedicated to maintaining things that no one is really even using. No one knows that it's even there. And we're throwing money at a situation. And so many organizations are facing budget cuts right now. And it could be really hard if you're used to running with a really large budget and just, oh, we'll just buy it. We'll just buy it. We'll just buy it. And you can see still create really good programming. You can still come up with ideas, ideas are re, with a smaller budget. So it does force you to be creative, more creative and intentional for sure about what you do with your funds and all of your resources. Yeah. And I think when the culture of a company is just adding more and more, and we solve this problem by spending more money on it, that becomes the culture that filters through the entire organization and employees, you know, take on the same thought process. It's not, okay, let's, you know, let's, let's figure out how we can solve this problem by subtracting something from what we're doing. It's well, let's just add something. We'll add more to it. We'll add another person or we'll add another disc or we'll add another project. Okay. So there's possessions and then there's mindset, right? So what kind of mindset or beliefs does someone need to drop? And what does someone need to pick up to be able to live a more intentional life? So personally, and I'll just speak personally for a second and we can 
talk, we can expand that if, if you think it's worthwhile. But so personally, I think what needs to happen, and I write about this in my book, Things That Matter, where like the first step is that we need to get very clear on what our purpose is in life, what I want to accomplish with the one life that I have to live, what my greatest values are. And I think we fall into a trap when we think that I know what they are and so I will never deviate from them or I'll never get distracted from them. When in reality, we may know what our most important values are and purposes and mission in life. We have a personal mission statement, but it's something that we have to return to almost every single day. I mean, certainly on a regular basis where we're just sitting down alone in quiet, in meditation, in solitude, and rethinking, okay, this is what I want my life to be about. And it's only then that we begin to recognize the distractions that have popped up and the unintentional ways that we've begun living our life. But I had a great mentor in when I was in college, a guy named Bob Thune, Bob Thune Sr. And he used to say, I learned this from him. He said, I start every morning with a sentence of intention. He said, every morning I say to myself, today I will blank. And it's, and he says, it's always, it's always the same thing. For him, he was a, he was a pastor. So today mm -hmm. I will live my life for God as best I can. You might not be religious, but you could still have some sort of intention. Today I will be the best mom that I will be today. I will be the best boss that I will be today. I will, you know, dedicate myself to accomplishing whatever it might be. And just that daily reminder of what's important, I think so often gets overlooked in our lives. And I, that is really, really good that there's, you're starting with intention and wanting to make sure that your behavior aligns with your values and your purpose where I'm struggling to make the connection. And maybe you can help me with this is how does that connect to I've got too much stuff to, in my kitchen, in the living room. Because one thing that's interesting is, let's say my intention, my purpose is to help people to live more fully. And I'm going out and I'm doing workshops and let's say I'm a personal trainer and I'm teaching people, I've got educational classes, but then you come home and you deprioritize everything that's happening at home. And so clutter starts to build up at home, but you're kind of living out your purpose of helping helping people, just not helping your house. So can you help me? How does that connect? Yeah. So the next step after defining your purpose is we need to recognize what things are commonly distracting us from that purpose. And by that, I mean, because it could be more than just possessions. Other distractions could be the pursuit of money, the pursuit of accolades, the pursuit of leisure. Sometimes technology becomes a distraction in our life. Sometimes it's fear or past mistakes that we have in our life. Like there's a lot of different things that become the distractions from that purpose. And at some point, because I think they all look different for each of us, for me, it used to be possessions. I feel like I've overcome that a little bit, but I'm still very much distracted by accolades and praise. And as much as I like to think money doesn't have as much of a hold on me as it used to, it still certainly can have a hold on me. And so in your specific scenario there, 
if I'm working so much on personal training, I think it was your example, that I'm coming home and exhausted and I'm no longer able to find enough rest to be the best personal trainer that I can be, then my question would be, so what are you chasing over there in this, if it's your full-time business or if it's your side hustle or whatever it might be? Because I don't think it's I'm just aligning my life to be the best personal trainer that I can be. If you're running yourself ragged, mm -hmm. then there's something else that you're chasing over there. If it's the extra income or if it's the really good feelings that you get when someone thanks you after a session, right? Like mm -hmm. there's probably something else over there that you're finding in that career, you're finding in that passion that is actually keeping you from becoming the best professional trainer that you can possibly be. Interesting. So. How do you know? What are some of the signs now that you've worked with people over the years? I'm assuming, and let me know if this is a poor assumption. I'm assuming that there are some signs that would let you know, that would clue you into, oh, this person is starting to slip and slide away from their purpose. And they're starting to slide into that territory of distraction and other things that are taking the place of that. So I would say that if someone has not given any thought into this types of conversations, then you're probably falling prey to it. Like my sign would be, you know what? I've never thought about that before. I haven't given much thought to the possessions that I have in my home. I haven't given much mm -hmm. thought to what is my goal in my job? What is the purpose of this organization that I'm trying to lead? Mm -hmm. And I say that because the distractions are all around us all of the time. And our tendency will always be to fall into those temptations fall into those distractions unless we are being intentional about noticing them and overcoming them. So that is how I would say it. And so for me, it was, I was cleaning out my garage and I spent hours on it. My son's alone, my five-year-old son's alone in the backyard asking me to come play with him. And it wasn't until my neighbor said, you know, maybe you don't need to own so much stuff in your garage. And I'm like, mm -hmm. I never even noticed. I never even thought that this had become a distraction in my life. And now, I can see it and now I think about it and then I started noticing other things in my life that I hadn't really considered. Maybe my desire to retire as early as I possibly can is actually keeping me from doing the best work that I can mm. do today because I'm so focused on getting out of work as soon as I possibly can. And so that would be my, literally my warning sign would be I've never thought before if money has become a distraction or if my possessions have become a distraction or any mm. number of others. So that autopilot mode and then also so the other side of that is there are certain things in your life that are out of balance, right? Certainly. Yeah. Like there, I think there are those light bulb moments, right? Where we, yeah. Why did it take me so many hours to clean out my garage or, you know, we reach a breaking point physically or mentally. And so I think there are those light bulb moments that clue us in that we've fallen in, we've fallen prey to that a bit more than we had noticed before. But I would hope that we could think some of these things through before we get to that breaking point. Oh yeah. That's what we're here for. Yeah. <laughs> to help people before they get there. So I cut you off. Your process is define your purpose and then start to look for those things that distract you from that purpose. Yeah. I think our key to living a meaningful and fulfilled life is to define our purpose. Number two, to notice and overcome the distractions that keep us from that purpose. And then number three, to do that every single day. Yeah. It's not a one and done. And that's the hard thing for, for people sometimes. It's like, just give me the quick fix. Just give it to me, whatever yeah. it is. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes. Th agreed. This is not a check off the box. I did all these. I did these things and now I'm done type of conversation. I think this is something that we wrestle with and think about often, but for the betterment of ourselves and for the betterment of everyone around us. Okay. And then is there, so I, we talked a little bit about signs now to go a little bit further into that. Are there certain phrases, certain kinds of feedback that one might hear to let them know that, oh man, maybe I am off track. Like for example, when your neighbor said, hey, you really need all that stuff. I would think, I don't know if I have specific phrases. That's a great question. I would instead take any feedback from someone who I love and that loves me that causes me to evaluate how I'm living my life. If it's your wife who says, hey, I think you're spending a little bit too much time at the office, then I think that would be not, no, I'm not, you know, I'm providing for this family. I think it's, okay, is she seeing something that I'm not thinking about? If it's a boss, you know, if it's a kind, loving boss who wants us to become, you know, the best people that we can be and the boss comes in with the thought of, you know, I think you're overworking yourself or, you know, I don't think you're showing up on time for work enough. Like it could be the other way. The distraction could be outside the work that I'm doing. I think it could become from a friend or a grandparent or someone that we look up to, a coach perhaps. I'm a big fan. I make my living online. And so I get a lot of negative, <laughs> there's a lot of negativity online and oh, you, yes. you almost can't say or, or write anything without some sort of negativity. Mm -hmm. But the same phrase used by someone who I know loves me as opposed to a stranger on the internet, it could be the exact same phrase, but just the person that it's coming from because I know they love me and I know they want what's best for me. Here's more weight. Oh yeah, as it should. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. As it should. Those anonymous trolls on the internet, yeah, th <laughs> what they say should not carry as much weight as someone that you love and care about and you know that they have your best interests at heart. So I'm, yeah. I'm in 110% agreement with you there. So I don't know if I have any specific phrases. That's a good question. I need to give that thought. I would, my initial reaction to that question is just don't be defensive. When someone you love raises an issue that you might not have thought about. Okay, so what does that look like? Thank you. Thank you for sharing that with me. I'll take some time to think about it. Perfect. This has been good. So are there any specific tools that you would recommend for anyone who's been listening and they're thinking, man, that he, I think he's talking about me. I think... <laughs> I think I've gotten off track somewhere or I really have no idea where I am in, along the journey or where I'm trying to go. I'm just floating around in life right now. Maybe I used to goal set, but then the pandemic hit and I just quit doing that because what's the point? Yeah. You know, I think tools, I would sit down, I would use the tool of solitude and maybe there's an app for that, but I mean the exact opposite of that. I would put away my phone. I would put away books. I would put away music and I would sit alone with myself for half an hour and just think and know that it's going to be miserable the first time you do it. You might not even make it a full half hour. It's harder than people think, but the more you do it, the better you get at it. I think it was Blaise Pascal who said all of humanity's problems could be solved if man learned to sit alone in a room by himself for a little while. And I think that the more we embrace that practice of once a week, if you can, 30 minutes and just sit quietly with yourself. And I think 
the more you do that, the more you get clear on what's most important to me and the more you get clear on, hey, why am I wasting, why am I putting so much energy into that or into this? And I think it helps us see if we're overworking ourselves and nearing burnout. I literally, it's a practice that changed my life. I discovered it in college and I would recommend it for anyone who hasn't tried before. Are we talking about meditating here? I am talking about, depending how you want to define meditating, I mean 30 minutes with no agenda whatsoever. I'm not coming in with something I want to think about. I'm not coming in with something I'm going to read through. I'm not thinking about an exercise I'm going to go through in my brain. Like I legitimately mean sitting alone with yourself for 30 minutes and just letting your mind and heart and soul tell you whatever it wants to tell you in that time. Hmm. Crazy. Mm -hmm. It was a college assignment. I had, it was a personal development course and that was one of our homework assignments. One hour a week alone with our thoughts. And then we had to write at the end of the course what we learned over the 12 weeks or something that we had to do that exercise. And it was some of the most personal growth I've ever gone through. The book that I was reading, it was literally just reframing where I was spending my time and energy and what some of the thoughts were in, in my head and what I was thinking and where they came from. And I practice it to this day and recommend it for all. Wow. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. And if anyone is interested in learning more about the Becoming Minimalist and everything that you're about, where should they go? Becomingminimalist.com is home base for me and involved in a number of different things, but everything seems to run through there. So that's where I would send people to find me. Perfect. And Joshua, before we go today, because I think we're at time for our episode today, do you have anything that you'd like to share with our audience or any final words? Seneca once said, life is long enough if we know how to use it, but when it is wasted on heedless luxury and spent on no good activity, we are forced by death's final constraint to wonder how it passed. And mm. I think that is true, that we get one life to live and we ought to be as intentional and focused as we possibly can with the resources that we have and not waste it on heedless luxury and no good activity. Well said. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Thanks for tuning in to the Lead with Levity podcast. To get resources mentioned in this episode and find out what we're all about, check us out at leadwithlevity.com.